0: To Catholic stuff, you should know, the J10 Initiative. On January Fourteenth, the year of our Lord, two thousand eighteen, seminarian Peter Sersich
1: receives his... was
0: installed to the ministry of lector. That's right, at the Pontifical North American College, Rome, Italy.
1: That's right. Congratulations, Peter Sersich. Is that a Polish name? I don't know. It's got kind of a nice, it's got a lot of, it's like one of those names where it's like, whoa, there's no vowels in this name, you know, kind of thing. So, Well, welcome to the podcast, Father John, Father Mike. Yeah, welcome And we to have the our friend here, Father Austin, again, who's with us, who is standing by with his maker's mark and ready to add commentary when he deems good, fitting. Good
0: Kentucky man. That's right. Drinking the bourbon.
1: All right, we're rolling. Okay, we're seeing that up there. Yeah,
0: Remember. so this morning we went to the um, installation mass for... Mm-hmm. Uh, lector. It's like a washing machine. What's the washing machine? You get oh, you get installed. Yeah, it is. I just think it's, it's a, kind a weird of a mechanical term, word.
2: That when you receive a ministry in the church, you get installed as a lector. That's right. It's very strange.
0: Installation. It's it's like yeah, it, it draws up this image of like one of those guidebooks where you're trying to figure out the pieces and like put it in right.
1: Are you into installation art? Is that that Musset was? I'm into not that sure exactly what there. that is. That's where they just do massive. Did you ever see that in New York or anything? Yeah.
0: It's like steel beams or
1: uh, anything.
0: Can it be like, I saw one that had these floating pieces of paper off of strings from the ceiling and they were multicolored and it was (laughs) just like filling a room. Is that the same thing? Installation? no that was at a museum is it a
2: church for like confirmation
0: actually yeah i think catholic churches are pretty good at installation, installation
2: art
1: yeah
0: these kids make the stuff for first communion and then they install it
1: yeah who knows these are the mysteries to be revealed in the eschaton so we had a nice uh nice morning though uh peter uh yeah one of our denver guys over here getting lector, and we were talking about this today you know like actually we had a nice chat as we were walking out um when you're in seminary for all these years, um, it's hard to find like a benchmark. You feel like you're just kind of going to classes, going to formation meetings, kind of endless. And then you have these little moments, you know, when it's like, okay, progressing. And then you see the guys ahead of you making that. And so lector is one of the yeah, and it's a nice check steps it's, on it its way. Kind of
0: makes you ask the questions of like, am I ready to move forward? And like, right. why? And you know, who am I? <laughs>
1: But they have a, um, at the neck. it's so huge that the seminary here, the American seminary is like, uh, it's like 50,000 guys coming up. And it's just this army of perfectly crew cut American boys, just, you know, hands folded and it's just boom, 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 boom. And frankly, I appreciate the, the order because if it was sloppy, it would be like a six hour thing. So they got to just boom, boom. But, uh,
0: yeah, nobody's wandering around over there. Everybody right? knows what they're doing.
1: But everybody's in suit coats except for us, of course. He's in his kind of—I don't even know how to describe this. This
0: is a green woolen sweater,
1: <laughs> and I got this like blue puffy on there. Like, oh, there's the Denver guys. They look like look like hell whenever they show up here. It's like,
0: yeah, my my clerical shirt is a bit faded. <laughs>
1: yeah, there was there <laughs> I'm was getting some...
0: comments there. Like, why'd you, why'd you turn there's, to gray?
1: There was a couple of visible gasps when he yeah you know, took the the green olive is that olive green yeah it's olive yeah that's olive.
0: it's like a deeper olive is that
1: your color olive
0: i don't know (laughs) i like the sweater
1: i once threatened mike i said i'm gonna start dressing i'm gonna do because it's punk you know like nobody dresses like this you know and i was like i'm gonna i'm gonna imitate that to make it not punk you can't imitate you can't imitate it because (laughs) (laughs) i actually realized that i was like
0: there's there's got to be logic right in something to be able to imitate
1: it. The problem, also, yeah, with um, things that you buy at Goodwill is they usually only come one. You know, you, you can't. I can't find that all of that doesn't exist. You know, so now, Mikey, you were here over the break and hanging with the Missioners of Charity, right? Yeah. And you were talking about this um, pageant. Was it a pageant with the homeless oh, guys? Yeah. they yeah. Yeah. This is. This sounds. It was
0: great. So we did. Yeah, I went over there and they had been practicing for months. And they did a whole Christmas pageant with like everybody dressed up like angels and Mary and Joseph and um, everybody's got lines and they're trying to remember their lines. And sometimes these characters are like wandering out into the crowd and doing stuff they're not supposed to be and they get corralled back in and it was delightful. Just really fun.
1: Catherine Arn, our good friend, works with the of Charity down in Phoenix, and they didn't prepare for months, so this was the difference, and it was all these little kids, and they just get, like, corralled in to do this thing last minute, and the sisters are pointing here and there, and she said it was just total pandemonium, because they had absolutely no idea, like, what is going on? Well, it's the, Why am I a it's sheep? the exact
0: opposite <laughs> of the North American college, where everybody knows what they're doing. And they're all, like, just well-rehearsed and everything. Right. And uh, this thing is, they, uh, there's something beautiful and humble about just accepting the poverty of nobody knowing kind of what's going on. But there right. was enough order to, like, communicate the message. Somebody the was narrating this, as this, this was going down? Uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I think w- some volunteer for the, for the missionaries. Did you
1: make your way into this nativity scene?
0: I did not, but I did put in a request to be in it
1: next year. Next year, okay. Something yep. to strive for. You know, I
0: wanted to do, there was this great scene where there were some geese that they had made, like these, these big geese. Uh, I don't know if they were like poster board or something, but they just kept wandering in and out of the scene and bobbing up and down, and I was like, that's a job I could do <laughs> you and really <laughs> enjoy.
1: <laughs> you were born to be the geese guy. Oh, man.
2: <laughs> Clean <laughs> like,
1: up the geese my manure afterwards. Geese. I think that the... Uh, uh, the missionaries of charity here—they have a pretty st- strong presence in the city. They're they're kind of the rock stars in some ways because they're the, like the you know they're the best. But they look for the best priests, you know. So these guys, uh,
2: I haven't yet gotten a call. I don't know why. Uh, Father Austin, have you? Have you? Yeah. No, you and I have yet to be called. <laughs> no. I live like I'm literally like a 3 minute walk from San Gregorio where they live. I've never once been
0: called. No, trust me. They don't look for the best priest. They look for anybody who will say yes. They
1: look for who's going to be English. that geese guy next year. Yeah. So maybe not yeah, next year. It's, it's <laughs> taken but you know, you can strive for that. Who's going to be the guy holding the geese thing? So No, I think it's a beautiful thing um, you know, that you stayed uh, Father Mike's uh, sister's getting married in April, so he's going back um, after we do a retreat and uh, going to be back in Denver for a bit, so it's great for you to stay here in Rome and uh, continue the work, yeah. but also to be with the sisters, because they really are, like, Th- they're they're delightful. are something special.
0: And um, I'm just really grateful for their witness to holiness and uh, the simplicity of their life. I was kind of lamenting, oh, I know, I was kind of telling them, we're all sad because we can't be with our family at Christmas, and they sort of snicker... And then afterward, they said, we haven't seen our families for Christmas for 20 years. We don't really feel the same way, but we feel bad for you, Father Mike.
1: That's so funny. (laughs) And then you spent, uh, you had a good New Year's too, as well, you were telling me.
0: Yeah, I went, uh, partied with the Neocatechumenal Way, And uh, there's a community here, uh, another Denver priest uh, serves, and uh, he took me along, and it was great. Uh, My favorite part was that, at New Year's, uh, or like at the, the moment, you count down, you're all given a cheers, everybody's drinking champagne, and then they sang their Te Deum, you know, like true Catholic start of the year. It was like, Lord, you provided another year, we're going to praise you,
1: let's do this. I think that I don't even know if I could sing the Te Deum.
0: Well, they have a particular version. Okay, they have yeah. a lot of like particular music, yeah. but... Uh, it's appropriate, you know. Catholics are supposed to know it. Te do
1: something, yeah.
0: We have a we have a companion. day,
1: We do. That's true. Father God, we praise <laughs> you. <laughs> I like the hands <laughs> up. No, Father, the hands. Everybody's Father raising their get hands. Get the hands up. up. No, our uh, our New Year's was uh, not as prayerful, not as profound. Uh, I don't know how this happened. Well, I know how it happened because I I chose it. But it um, Kenny G's Christmas mix came on like. To kind of set the mood, and then everybody had to give a speech, and it was just kind of a on the spot. Everybody was uncomfortable. All the speeches were horrible, but it was like twenty five speeches.
0: It, is it a speech to honor the year or no?
1: This is not. This isn't NAC style. Like you know, speech to honor the country, speech to honor the Pope. It was just kind of like anything, whatever. Any it was completely random. But there's something about the Kenny G. In the background, that really kind of yeah, it got everybody kind of bring,
0: bring a party alive. Everybody was just kind
1: of like, you know what? Yeah, we're doing this right now. It's it's 2018, and we gotta. You know, it was very funny. So, but no Te Deum next year. When you're doing your geese thing, we'll be singing the Te Deum. Of so. yeah, we well, can still do your you be.
0: can still do your your uh, speeches. Does Kenny gotta... G
1: have a version of our Te Dam? That's the question. I don't. I might have to pull out the saxophone next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And... Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we need it. You can do a cover. Did you ever play the
1: saxophone? Never. Never. Never? Did you play anything before? I mean, you're a very good guitar and mandolin, but did you ever have like a nerdy middle school instrument
2: moment? Or? No. The recorder? No brass, no woodwind, ever. Well, recorder. I played recorder. At I played point. recorder. Yeah, I think we all I was had to play recorder. pretty bad at it. But it was basically, you know, uh, hot cross buns, that sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> I remember that.
1: Twinkle twinkle. There's gonna be a special place in heaven for elementary school music teachers who have to I mean, could you imagine like oh, that introducing thing squeaks third with a lot graders. of weird sounds <laughs> every year you have to introduce third graders, okay, you're gonna learn the recorder I don't know what, what year you learn this. There's but it's this, like,
0: there's <laughs> this like stereotype of junior high kids that they have squeaky voices. But I think it comes from imitation of that instrument. The recorder. Instrument. Yeah. <laughs> you play that too much, and you think that's how things should sound.
1: Yeah, that's true. You think is, is it is. Didn't you play the trumpet
0: or something like that? No, no. Just the recorder. Just the recorder? Poorly. I was in a bell choir at one point. Bell choir. As a kid. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's pretty lame. Best so I, bell... I was pretty good at it.
1: Best bell choir story uh, I think I've ever seen was Father Jason Wunsch's first mass. So this is at a one of our larger Hispanic parishes in Commerce City, Colorado. And he comes out and it's um it was just so funny. There's like a lot of priests and he had um we start the procession and he's all nervous. It's his first mass and it's like ding and it's the bell choir is doing this thing like on the side and it's all these kind of white suburban kids from Loveland, I think, or wherever they were from. What do you play.
0: You have to play Christmas music, and they're doing ring, the ding 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 ding. They're doing the
1: bells. This is like in the, this is May though, and uh, and then all of a sudden the bells stop as Wunsch hits the altar, and then the Aztec dancers and drums <laughs> come, and it's just like dun, 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 and it was like somebody's gonna get their heart ripped out any moment. It was it was
0: crazy. The kids with their bells the, shaking. The, oh, I ring,
1: mean the, ring, the, ring, ring. the shock between the bell choir and then the, the drumming. It was just like it was just so intense. And then he started the mess, and the rest was history. So. The bell choir, so eclectic. Yeah, remember that. Those of you seminarians listening, that you know, you can get creative with your, you know, how many different choirs you bring into your your first mass. Um, so, if you
0: can outdo Wunch.
1: he's ridiculous. He's great. It was great to see him. Well, we, all the guys when we were home, it was fun. That was the thing we missed you for the most was uh, the the villa. The when Goble and I recorded the last one together back home. That's that's a yeah. real special time for us to just have everybody together. And they introduced puzzles this year. That's never happened before. Oh,
0: I love jigsaw puzzles. Oh
1: man, the guys were going I mean, going nuts on these on these puzzles and Usterman especially was just nerding out like it was I was like this is this, this is like a new development. Do they use it?
0: the box top? Yeah, yeah. No.
1: No box top? No. See, that's truly Cheating. truly punk. Yeah. No,
0: no, you just got to work the the pieces, the colors, the shapes.
1: The sick thing is I think I don't know who stole this, but I think it was Global. somebody took the last piece and hit it
0: oh yeah and so cruel. they're like
1: where is the last piece i mean they have the whole thing finished and one and gobel and usterman or no, everybody's where is no, it no, and then no. they found they finally found it i was like oh, this almost almost destroyed the association but uh they got it so we missed you for villa but uh here we are and now it's february by the time this comes out it's like where is 2018 is already rolling austin's already in florida at his conference
0: oh first month is a wash
1: yeah. The year is ahead. It's going faster, though, as we get older. Don't you guys agree? Totally. You would agree. Yeah. He doesn't. He hesitated. You agree, though. I totally agree. Yeah.
0: No, I'll, I'll agree to that. That's true. I don't know. I'm just Things like, just man, the years are by. flying by now. Can I get some more light in here? I don't um, know what it is. This is like, yeah, actually, very can you hit,
1: hit that uh, mood lighting? You like, <laughs> you oh, like yeah. that? You know, Austin, look at that up there. You see those ducks? Are those loons?
0: Those are loons.
1: That appeared in my uh, my room all of a sudden. I found it about twenty minutes after it was placed. But uh, yeah, that's protein powder. We don't we get use not very often, but I like to think I do. We don't get a lot of protein. Wait, in are you Rome. doing a tour of your uh, room? Yeah. Right can now? we stop talking about my stuff here? <laughs> that's about it. There's not much interesting in here. But uh, I'm not a fan of um, direct lighting. Indirect. Yeah. So this you just killed the 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 vibe in this room right now.
0: It's light. I mean, it's soft. Yeah. It's not even, it's not neon or something.
1: I know, but it's it's direct.
0: Incandescent.
1: I got a, uh, this was like the big development, you know. Our life is so lame over here that like this is the kind of thing I get excited about. I made a comment to Eusterman about, because I walked into his room with him and he clicked this button and Phew, all the lights turned on. Like all the indirect lights. And I was like, whoa, how did you do that? And he's like, oh, it's amazing, isn't it? And I was like, man, what a mystery. How did you possibly do that? And then. Yesterday, technology, dude. from Amazon, I got a gift from Father Daniel Usterman for the the set. Sure. So I've ri- I, last night, I was up way too late trying to rig this thing. But what I did was, look at this switch here. I broke yeah, all busted. the switches. Oops. I don't know what I was doing wrong, but I literally broke half of the outlets. That's why we got cords running under the rugs I don't rugs think your here. new
0: machine fits very well.
1: I know. So I'm like, ooh. So be careful if you're going to do indirect lighting from a remote and you live in Italy. You're probably going to break the switches. If you're me. Eusterman didn't have That sounds problem.
0: way too complex for me. Yeah, so. Just accept the light you're given.
1: <laughs> That's uh, <laughs> very profound. <laughs> kind of. So, anyways. He's ready. I, you wanna- he keeps looking at his paper. He's ready well, to go
0: here. It's, it's always kind of like a scramble to say, well. Can I
1: make one point to the banter haters? If you listen to the second one we always record, we never have anything to talk about. Because we used it up? We always used it up. We always get about good, solid 10 minutes, the first one, and the second one's just kind of always like, Yeah, but we
0: don't, we we scramble up the order when we publish them, don't we? Uh,
1: Well, I just want to say, you know.
0: Was this not enough? We can banter. We're good, we're good. You want to banter? I want to know what
1: that red writing is, because I've been told that red pens on uh, paper are a sign of kind of insanity. Neurosis.
0: Yeah. Uh, I've I've been crazy for a long time, my friend. You've known that.
1: (laughs) Oh, that is true.
0: <laughs> I've been red penning it.
1: <laughs> red penning it.
0: I don't know. It's not. Yeah. It just. It was the pen that was available.
1: No, but you're. He you keeps shifting between a piece of paper and uh, his phone. And this so phone. It's I got th- see some notes on everything. What's happening here?
0: All right. You want to. You want to learn about some su- sub. I'm trying to think of sub ordered spirituality.
1: Sub ordered. So
0: okay. So I was inspired by the the uh, lack the lector installation this morning. And I said, I don't know that people know about the minor orders or what have now become ministries Hmm. that they do an installation for. So like the process of, um, I don't know, formation, not not formation, because we're not going to talk about seminary as such, but like the steps along the road to priesthood. And there was kind of like an old form and then the contemporary stuff. So I wanted to suggest that people could uh, make resolutions around the Christian life according to uh, an imitation of these minor orders yeah
1: okay here we okay, go okay so we're going to go we're gonna go going to go kind of
0: walking it. through the orders and you can say i have very little to say about like what you could do to uh, imitate these things in your life or how they could bear fruit in your life so i think that's going to be more of a discussion you know
1: discuss but, okay
0: let me let me just start out with a little history Rhode
1: island neither a road nor an island discuss <laughs> Sorry.
0: What is the etymology of the word banter? Okay. What is it? So the um you, this guy Eusebius, um uh, he was a historian uh, at one point. He re- records in a letter to we have a, uh, a patristic guy here. So I
1: uh, he's getting a little sheepish all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm a little nervous about it, trying to sound cool. Yeah. that's uh, right. So, uh, uh, Pope Cornelius writes a letter to Fabus uh, of Antioch in 252, mentioning that in Rome there are this many priests, deacons, subdeacons, acolytes, exorcists, lectors, and porters. In 252. In 252. Wow, cool. Okay, so this was like um, different men who were on the on the road to priesthood or were exercising these different um, minor orders in the church. Mm. And I don't think we know much about the, the ordination rites for those various things, except we just have this reference very early on here in the middle of the third century, okay? So we're going to talk about what are some of those different things. Uh, at some point, um, it became a practice for the monks to enter into community life with a ritual of cutting their hair into a tonsure. You know the word tonsure. When you watch the movies, you always see the monks with, uh, a big um, circle cut into their like a really weird haircut with a mm-hmm. bald spot in the middle of it, and then the rest of their hair falling around it right mm-hmm. that's tonsure so it, the the Greeks and the Romans would mark their slaves by shaving their heads and um, so at, at some point the uh, the monks wanted to express this entrance into the monastic life was um, becoming a slave of, of Christ. And you're leaving the world, and you're entering into a life that's not your own anymore. So they practiced this ritual. Now, it wasn't always in, in practice. Jerome didn't like it, and at some point he's, he writes condemning the practice. Tantra. But by the somewhere... what did
1: Jerome actually like though? Honestly, he's kind of an oh, angsty, kind of an angsty dude,
0: a bit of a grump. <laughs> but somewhere in the fifth or sixth century, it became common practice that the tonsure was the first ritual
1: hmm.
0: of the cleric, the clerical life. Um, so you cut your hair, and then you receive a a, um, a surplice. Um, that's kind of a like a head covering but a shoulder covering is supposed to indicate the helmet of salvation and or symbolize this and um be the sign of like the the kind of head cover the change of of garment but there's a little prayer i found to, to go with that um it, it says goes like this when they with the investiture of the surplus the bishop rises with his mitre off and prays Almighty eternal God, forgive our sins and deliver these thy servants from all slavery of secular fashions, so that as they renounce the, igno- the ignominy of worldly style, they may possess thy grace forever. So it's it's a way of leaving the world, and even leaving the fashions of the world. Like the vanity of having a cool haircut. You just chop it off. you know.
1: Do down puffies count as secular fashion? Because... That's gonna to be tough to pronounce. I don't know.
0: <laughs> I'm not sure green woolen sweaters really can. Green
1: woolen sweaters are good. Yeah. So that's interesting. Do we know anything about why the circle, or was it just kind of instead of shaving the whole head, it just became?
0: I don't know. We might have to ask our religious here.
2: Well, well at least in modern usage, the circle was more of a monastic thing. Uh, whereas, well, I'll put it this way the kind of the Corona where you just kind of leave a little kind of crown of hair was a sort of monastic thing that would happen across monastic orders and mendicant orders, even through like the 20th century. Uh, But then a lot of secular clerics by the 20th century would just get like a cross cut out of your hair at I think it happened at subdiaconate, though, when you became a cleric. Yeah. It seems uh, you'd like you'd the surplus. Little, the order that. is... Sh- sh- so these kind of things are all for- kind of, you know, over the tradition kind of get mixed and matched in that sense. But at least in modern usage, um, in kind of the old right, that's what would happen there. And so, you know, there are great kind of photos of Dominicans, for example, with the tonsure through the 60s, or the corona is what we called it. Um, which, yeah, but it was this idea of this, this kind of Roman idea of, of slavery that you would dedicate yourself, that you'd be dedicated by, to slavery to Christ uh, through this shaving of the head that way. So that's certainly the, the tradition of it. Yeah, yeah. So lesson one,
0: uh, or practical one, you got to leave the world. Mm. And um, you have to leave behind all of its vanities and be humble. You're humbled somehow by becoming a Christian and, and setting out into the Christian life. You know, like that Kendrick Lamar song: "Be humble, sit down, be <laughs> humble." humble. Uh, that's the first lesson, right? And you got to leave the world. We were just talking about this. Like if you if you try to play the game where you can be very worldly and be a good Christian, it's going to be hard. It's always going to be hard. Um, so at some, in some ways, you have to you have to do that. So maybe as a resolve for uh, this year, you just look at your life and say, "How is it worldly? And how can I discipline that?" You know, I, I know a lot of people get distracted by media, social media, or th- these kinds of things. And you say, well, that can have a place in my life, but I'm going to discipline it somehow. It's only going to be. I'm only going to watch uh, two hours of TV instead of four hours of TV every day. You know, some, some way to push back.
1: I think it's getting, uh, one of the advantages of kind of our postmodern world is that it's getting more difficult to be a worldly Christian, I think that I re- you read these guys like uh, uh, Dostoevsky and Kierkegaard, and the kind of the just the worldly Christian kind of bourgeois life of the 19th century, maybe even 20th. Um, we're kind of getting to a point where it's it's getting really really hard. I think for our generation, is the first time it's like really starting to break. Where it's like you gotta you gotta start making more and more choices. So good encouragement, good practical application. Yay, there it yeah, is. Yeah, there you go.
0: Okay, so the next one was, um, this is kind of the first, first technically the first minor order is porter. So the ritual goes that the, the bishop hands keys to the porter and um, in, invites them to um, take responsibility for the, for the church. And there's a line, so act even as about to give an account to God of the things which are kept under these keys. We think of like on a practical level the sacristans of the church. Um, sacristans do an incredible job um, everywhere you go in the world. I've been all over the world, and sacristan is like one of those awesome functions in the parish, right. where they don't get attention, but they do a lot. They kind of keep order to everything. They open the church at the right time. They are protectors of the whole mystery of the parish. And um, this was so. This was part of you know the minor order at the time. So I thought maybe. Uh, the idea is to stay close. You know, think of yourself as holding the keys. Stay close to the church. Pray regularly. So you've left the world. You've forsaken something, and um, now you just got to pray. You got to so, stay in the presence of God.
1: So you see Porter as like a Saxon, because I always thought of it as more of like I I don't know, like a religious community, kind of a, the door. You know, what's his what, name? Like
0: hospitality or something.
1: Andre Basset up in um, yeah yeah Montreal, uh, that kind of thing. But it's.
0: Well, I think the, the a lot the of them are tied to the monasteries. Yeah. So, so it's hard to exactly distinguish. I right. just more people have experience with sacristans, I think. I would
1: agree though, sacristans are amazing. They save us. We were just talking about how crazy the Christmas season was for being in the parish and it's like yeah, these people. It's good work, so.
0: So pray regularly, huh? Okay. That's next the
1: second that's the second point.
0: Yeah, I think so.
1: Get a key from your pastor.
0: No, well, don't you don't do okay, that. So now, on the practical, okay, so yeah, on the particular level, the adoration, you don't have to do all these rituals. You don't have to go looking for keys or become a sacristan. You don't have to cut your hair. Uh, I'm talking about, like, I don't know, a way of thinking about these symbols and, um, yeah, enacting them. In Break your the
1: codes to your local adoration chapel. It, that is, like, a very difficult task. It's I, I had a hard time getting into one of ours over Christmas. I was, like, calling the parish. They are like, Are you a parishioner? I was like, No. And they're like, well, we're not going to give you the code of the adoration chapel. And I was like, are you kidding me? So, the just keeper. Get the code. Break get the, the code. code. I'm sorry. You're trying to continue here. And
0: That's fine. No, 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 no. Banter on. <laughs> I'm just, I mean, I'm cognizant of the time. Okay. Are, you,
1: are you texting your friends or are you actually. Next kidding?
0: one. No, I'm reading this stuff off of the.
1: <laughs> okay,
0: next one is Exorcist. Okay. This is very early on in the process. I was kind of surprised by this, just looking at. The, uh, at uh, the sort of schema, you think of exorcist as being like the most qualified priest in the. But this was an early minor order, you know, early in, uh, early on the process, um, and they're entrusted with casting out devils and um, directing people. Part of the prayer says, "The duty of the exorcist is to cast out devils, to direct the people that he, uh, who are barred from communion." from coming uh, to withdraw and uh, to administer water at the sacred functions. There's something of um, prayer and intercession in this that I think is important for everybody. We don't have this as a technical uh, minor order. We don't have these minor orders anymore. Now every diocese has a delegated priest for exorcisms, but... um, Everyone is entrusted, all the Christian people are entrusted to uh, pray for others, and you can see the demons of, uh, your, your, kind of your own life, your, the people around you, and um, we, we help God by praying away those kind of problems, and uh, it's something that you can kind of take up to be more aware of the spiritual battle and to engage by interceding for people.
1: I think of my dad uh, when you talk about Exorcist Deacon Daryl Neppel um, because he's uh, he by the time this podcast comes out, I think he will be uh pretty close to retiring um and uh it's uh, amazing he's had a great career and um but he would always talk about getting in the elevator and going to the top level of his building where all the executives were when he had to go deal and he was human resources, so it's always they always have bad news they got to deal with you know. Mm. And um, he would uh, he would talk about uh, just the kind of spiritual preparation he would do in the elevator whenever he would oh, go yeah. to the top floor uh, because it's just the world of power and ego and it's it's a battle and he he has to kind of navigate and he did a great job for decades doing that but there is a role of like spiritual warfare that um, in your jobs in your families. Um, it's there. It's not just for the exorcist of the diocese who has to do that, but everybody is is every Christian is kind of called to this. And so, I think it's good. I to, wonder
0: what he would do. We have to call him up and ask, "What's your yeah?" Spiritual what was your what was
1: his preparation? Yeah, like what exactly in the elevator?
0: Like? Okay, next one is lector. That's what we uh, what we saw today. These the 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 job itself is, of course, um, proclaiming the word of God at, uh, during the liturgy. And um, it has a ritual where the, the, the one who is receiving or is being installed as a lector um, receives the gospel book, is handed the gospel book by That's the bishop. That's what we
1: saw today, yeah.
0: Who, the bishop says, Take this book of Holy Scripture and be faithful in handing on the word of God so that it may grow strong in the hearts of his people. Uh, and there's something of a spirituality with this as well. Like, it's, it's about read the scripture, uh, become a person of Scripture. Um, learn from these stories. Make it a part of your vocabulary. Make it a part of your, your thought and your prayer. And incorporate this stuff into your life, you know, so that you can um, teach others and that you can proclaim worthily the, the Word of God.
1: Order of preachers. Say something profound.
0: Yes, the preacher.
2: About Scripture and the life of the faithful?
0: Or as a lector. Aren't you a lector?
2: I'm a lector. I mean, the three of us are both are all lectors, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah
0: installed into the ministry of Lector
2: no, I think we um I have to say myself and then just kind of dealing with um people in general, just kind of in pastoral work, I think there's like a sort of intimidation against reading scripture, actually that we have to like have the right translation, the right commentary, which kind of know this mm. and that, but there's like a deep value in just like reading scripture like a lot of people talk about like Lectio Divina like there's this process like this spiritual process of reading scripture
0: but like a formal way of praying there's
2: not though like actually when the ancients talk about Lectio Divina like they just talk about like reading the Bible like the words on the page like that's it yeah you read the Bible then you go on like there's something that happens to you you when you're reading the revealed text yeah and if it leads you to kind of deep contemplation, that's great. But sometimes all you get, I mean, maybe I'm projecting on everyone else, uh, but some days like you read the Bible and you're just like, yep, I read the Bible today. There we go. See you tomorrow. You know, I mean, it, it, there's nothing more profound to it, but that thats that's just it, is that God has revealed himself and scripture is that sort of privileged place of the witness to that revelation. And we can only do well by seeing that, like there's one experience to me that I always kind of go back to about this is that in, uh, in New York, when you ride the subway and you see Orthodox Jews on the subway, they're reading their traveling psalms on the subway. Oh, yeah. They're just reading the psalms, though. Yeah. They're having, There's they're scripture like, for everything. For them, like it, they're just kind of reading the psalms. And it's just part of their life. It's like, I'm on the train, i got to read my psalms. And we could actually learn something from this. You know, like how many Christians just like sit on the train reading the Bible, like not many, some do actually. It's really interesting, actually. Mm. Especially when I would go around New York dressed in Dominican habit, people would ask you lots of questions about the Bible. Actually. Yeah, people love that, and the it Bible. was lovely. Yeah. But but Christians uh, have to be people who read the Bible. Like that's just part of the definition, and. Um, uh, and and priests have to be the model of this in some way. And this is what the office of lector is about, is that when you read Scripture in church as a public ministry, it actually should be revelatory of something that's happening in your personal prayer life otherwise, it seems to me. So, And this is for all the faithful, not just priests, it seems to me.
0: Oh, and the Scriptures are a whole way of looking at the world that is formed in you. Uh, not just like a collection of stories that you could learn a lesson from. We kind of preach like that, and I think a lot of Catholics learn to think of the scriptures that way, but uh, there's something very formative about just reading the stories mm-hmm. and reading in uh, in your own personal life. So re- reading through the Bible in a year or uh, taking it up as a, a daily discipline, mm-hmm. reading a couple chapters.
1: I also like that for a guy like Peter Sersich uh, today, receiving Lecter, um, where he... Um, Thank you. The church says to him, um, start, be a lector for several years before you're preaching. Mm. I mean, implicitly, you know, like you need to be reading now. It doesn't say, okay, you, you read the Bible so you can prepare your homilies and do that. But it's like, you know, from the wealth of this commission now that he was received that eventually this will bear fruit. And, uh, because it really is the primacy is just, just read, just be in the word. And, uh, I think that we oftentimes don't uh, we don't stress that enough, you know, in the Catholic yeah. life. So,
0: and there's something powerful about this. Is the first step that we've retained as a ministry in the church. This is of like a a privileged role. That's not just a, a volunteer job, but it's like a responsibility of the person in the parish. So, those readers that you see at Mass every every week, they should have a particular spirituality of reading Scripture, coming to know Scripture, and being more engaged with the Bible than the average person. You know, they're not entrusted with preaching, but um, they are invited into a special role Mm -hmm. with a privileged text. Although they're not installed. Are they installed the same way?
1: No, that's... (laughs) There's like a... A little tricky.
0: (laughs) There's a parish ritual... (laughs) that i think we did and we were it was a blessing i don't really or want to something. say anything
2: about this week. no i i think i mean
0: <laughs> he doesn't I, want
2: it i mean I, you, we've all been in parishes where it's like you sit down for the first reading and no one likes stands and you're like can someone read please <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, that's true not you, you don't
0: know. have to be in order to read a mass and we've seen a lot of examples of this
1: i ran into my favorite lector ever uh, over christmas break his name is mark and he was at my last parish but he so he happened to be coming He's now at the parish I was serving at, and uh, he was just this awesome, huge voice, like just a reading. Oh yeah, from the letter of Saint Paul to the Galatians, and you're just like, bah. But uh, most of the time it's just kind of like, hey,
2: Sil, uh, Cindy, can c- can you come up you here, here and uh, today?
1: yeah?
0: Well, you know, I- when
2: I was in New York at our parish there at Saint Joseph's, um, we had a great lady who's a good friend of mine, Melissa Egan, who works for NPR. And she would read at mass.
0: Oh, yeah, that's a radio voice.
2: Like she's an NPR reader, you know. So it was outstanding because you could not help but listen to her. Because it was, like, totally arresting because it was just a reading. (laughs) It it was outstanding (laughs) that way. But it just shows that someone like her, she's like, look, I proclaim things for a living. And so, and, and, and she and her husband... It's really beautiful. They had this practice every morning on Sunday, every Sunday morning. They would get together, the two of them, and they would read the Sunday scriptures together. And then there was this little Sunday scripture reading group at the parish that they would come to. But it was clear that they had sat with their morning coffee like over the scriptures that morning. Yeah, that's it. Before coming to Mass. That's it. And then they would discuss this with, you know, kind of their fellow parishioners. And then she would go to mass and proclaim very NPR, you know, it was outstanding. (laughs) I mean, but I just thought, gosh, what a really beautiful way of kind of seeing kind of a small V vocation, you know, within her life in the parish. And just kind of saying, look, this is what I do for a living. So I'm going to actually put myself forward this way. Um, And she was like totally unique, though. So like I said, you couldn't help but listen to her. And that's kind of the point, it seems to me. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Okay, Hold on,
1: before we go on to Acolyte, were you in seminary when that guy from the south got up and uh, read from Genesis? Yes. From
2: Kentucky.
1: (laughs) From Kentucky. (laughs) Who told you you was nagged? And everybody just like burst out. I cannot hear that reading of uh, Genesis 3 or whatever it is uh, without thinking of that guy. He was from Kentucky. Yep. Who told you you was (laughs) nagged? So... Yeah, NPR is a little better, I would recommend for the... uh, Yeah, exactly.
0: It it was memorable. (laughs) Oh, it It was was memorable, memorable. (laughs) yeah.
1: Sorry, continue.
0: Well, okay, so the next one is, uh, of course, acolyte. They have a a, kind of a special role of uh, serving the Mass, being close to the altar, taking care of things uh, for Mass. And um, during the installation of an acolyte, the bishop gives um, either bread or wine... Um, hands them this symbol, and then um, says, "Take this vessel with bread for the celebration of the Eucharist. Make your life worthy of your service at the table of the Lord and of His Church." And there's a prayer that goes b- before that that talks about uh, feeding the poor, taking care of those in need, particularly the spiritual needs of the of the parish. You're aiding in that effort. And part of the spirituality of the, of the acolyte is to, um, to kind of attend to that. Who's, who's hungry? Who's thirsty in this congregation or in the world around me? And um, how can I serve? You know, you're, you're going out of your way in charity. And um, so this one is like we're getting closer to the, 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 the orders that uh, particular people are called to. Right, so this isn't just like volunteer for, and we're going to have to abstract a little more for the average person, because I'm not trying to encourage everybody to go out and look to do these things. You know, uh, that's unnecessary. God calls some people to do certain, uh, certain serve the church in certain roles, um, but in this, in this case, I think you can think about for your life. Um, serving in that particular way of of looking out for people and looking out for um, serving, especially um, the 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 needs of the the poor and the weak in the in the parish and beyond. No?
1: Yeah, I think that's a good point, though, about like you you're bringing the spiritual dimension to this. It's like because Americans, it's like. Uh, activism is kind of the name of our game. It's like, okay, you got to do this, this, and this, and this. And it's like, no, no. It's about the spirit of like looking for the ways that you can serve, reach out, these different things. And um, I'm curious, though, about your own experience of going through these. Uh, which was your? Was there one in particular that was?
0: I don't. I think the 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 lector had something of an an impact on me, and I was struck with this sense of I need to um, stay stay close to the scripture. But some of these, they are kind of steps toward uh, the ultimate goal, which is priesthood, and they're they're very formative. But it, for me, it was less like now I'm entering into this right. new, new lifestyle right. or something. Um, but it did kind of call your attention to something new. And you, in seminary, you're invited into this um, kind of the practice of these things more regularly during the, the life of the seminary. So you wouldn't serve mass before acolyte um, or you're serving more i couldn't remember exactly how that works um, you're not reading mm-hmm. until you're a lector mm-hmm. because we have all these guys
1: the acolyte was an interesting one uh for me in seminary because it was the first time i had held the patent and the chalice in my hands because mm. the bishop hands it to you and then you know kind of it, it was like whoa this is getting this is getting real mm-hmm. uh, but uh yep continue getting closer I have nothing else to that? say. Okay. That's it. <laughs> sorry.
0: <laughs> okay, so the, there's another one called subdeacon and this is really important. This is actually one of the like higher orders, the major orders in uh, the Eastern Churches. But uh we don't it doesn't exist anymore for ours, this the subdeacon. And it was uh, an even um more I don't know, you have more responsibility in the liturgy. Um I don't know what to say about this exactly because we haven't really practiced this. But I thought maybe um, grow closer to the to, to the liturgical life and the life of prayer of the church with uh, identifying with your own particular devotions. So pick that favorite saint or that devotion. You pray the rosary, divine mercy stuff. Um, you have a season, um, the stations of the cross, some kind of particular devotion that you can become master of, and then you can help others to learn, and uh, you can also kind of be the the local expert. You don't have to be the parish expert, but um, I used to host a barbecue for uh, Saint Lawrence Day, uh, who was grilled alive, <laughs> and I wanted to spread the word on this on this saint. But I think it's a lot of like simple things that were... if. You, if we had a bunch of Catholics who were really invested in particular devotions, if someone came to me as a pastor and said, I want to learn about this, I could point them to that person. You know, Go talk to them. They, they love the rosary, and they'll teach you how, how to live that. You know,
1: The devotional life of the Church, which I think really did collapse in the last 50 years, um, has been, in many ways, the impetus to creating culture. I'm reading Secret Unstead's novel, the Master of Hesviken—it's right here. have actually kind of destroyed it. Um, sister's going to be very upset when I uh, return uh, it. My library, li- library copy, but uh, it's all about this—about feasts and devotions—and this is medieval Norway. And uh, I think we've—I think we've lost that. We need to recover that—a sense of the liturgy, a sense of the life of the church, a sense of seasons. That these things are significant, and these—these these devotional actions are not—are not arbitrary. We've kind of been pinned as—as uh, as Um, saying they are with being in a Protestant culture in America, but they're not. They're significant. They're beautiful. And they're pointed to Christ, pointed to the sacraments. But, um, uh, yeah, some kind of restoration of these things.
0: But it helps to, like, focus on some, I think. Yeah. Because you can get picked apart by everything. There's always a new feast. Yeah. And there's tons of curiosities where you, you could bounce from one thing to another instead of really getting good at one thing. You know, this is my devotion, and I really have a passion for this saint or this type of prayer or
1: whatever, this feast. Mm. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Grilling out on St. Lawrence Day.
0: What? What? What is next? Subdeacon? Diaconate. Diaconate, and then? Priesthood. Priesthood. For
1: can, can I pause for a orders? second? I just realized um, when we were in seminary, I'm sure you know this, but the sanctuary of St. Giovanni Seminary was built on this structure. So you had the five steps.
0: A lot of seminaries are, yeah. uh,
1: Up from the pews to the main four
0: minor orders and and uh, three four.
1: uh, Sorry, four, and then the three. Then there was a smaller three-step up to the high altar, and each one signified the steps. You know that was kind of cool.
0: Yeah, getting closer to the priesthood. Okay, so the last uh, uh, minor order is is. well, wait. This is a major order major now. Order. Okay, wait. We've switched over to major orders, but um, the last in the line toward the priesthood is deacon. This is a this is a, a, a sacrament of holy orders, right? So I'd, I I want to distinguish that you're you're a different kind of person when you're ordained. Here we go. A, a deacon, a priest, and a uh, well, yeah, deacon, a priest, and a bishop, right? Right. Okay, so just for the ritual at the, at the diaconate, the, um, the bishop gives the, the, the deacon the gospel book and says, receive the gospel of Christ, whose herald you have become, believe what you read, teach what you believe, and practice what you teach, right? So the, uh, the lectors receive the lectionary, but the deacon receives the gospel book, and the deacon can proclaim the gospel and can preach. But he's called into a very uh, profound life of imitating the gospel in order to preach that with authenticity, sincerity, and um, a, a deep knowledge of the gospels. So that really becomes your becomes your life. It's um, to to attend to the Gospels, to pay close attention to Jesus and his life every day, and then to try to imitate that life. You could say that is generally the Christian desire, but, I mean, like daily, are you thinking about exactly how can I imitate uh, Jesus today?
2: Father John just put the microphone in my face. (laughs) (laughs) Now you have to say (laughs) something. For no reason at all. (laughs) Well, we
0: could say, I mean, you're the preacher. Part of this is just evangelize. You know, let this. Now you're moving outward, so you've been receiving a lot of things, and now we're we're trying to direct this to uh, bringing a light to the world and uh, spreading the good news. Not letting it just be my thing, um, but saying, Jesus, I'm going to go out of my way to,
2: um, yeah, yeah, which I think in in a modern world where you know religion at its best is a sort of personal thing that it's up it's up to you. You know, you do that at home, you keep it there, but don't bring it here. Whereas for Christianity, like it that's not possible. If it's true for me, it's true for you. And I have the the necessity, I have the debt really to um, to give witness to that and to preach to that to other people. And so within the office of the deacon, yeah, you see this. It's interesting too, like in the in the New Testament record of what deacons do, you know, it's like in the Acts of the Apostles, it says, the apostles say, look, we we can't give ourselves to you know waiting on tables we need to dedicate ourselves to the ministry of the word, and so we're going to appoint these deacons. But the only thing we see deacons doing is preaching. It's actually kind of weird, actually, you know, in that sense. It's mm-hmm. like the one thing they weren't supposed to be doing, they do. Which I think is to say that it it highlights a certain essential element to the Christian life, and that uh, the deacon kind of highlights both that um, the necessity of charity, but the necessity of testimony to the faith at the same time and that this is just basic kind of Christian value that the deacon had kind of highlights in a sense. Yeah. Well so done. I had nothing to say, so I passed the mic up.
0: over, and he of, did a good job. Just all, these, all these rites leading up to um, a priesthood that becomes uh, representing the head of the body of Christ, um, that you uh, stand in persona Christi, hmm. and uh, there's a sort of fullness of... Um, fullness of these virtues uh, that the priest is invited into. Now, we don't always live up to that, of course, um, but we become a symbol of Jesus in the world. and um, So, yeah, this is kind of teaching people the road of uh, the Christian life, and hopefully, after all of this formation, the, the priest is enabled to be that kind of a model of the Christian life that he's Invited into and kind of challenged to be,
1: yeah. The um, you know the 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 framework of the faith is is sacramentality in one respect, and that means that all of these visible signs, all of these prayers, all of these actions are ordered towards spiritual realities, and um, we have to be living them. And uh, so, for the layperson who's listening to this on their way to work in the morning, um, that. The invitation is the is the spiritual realities behind all of this, and uh, they do have a priesthood. Everybody is a, is a, shares in the priesthood of Christ and uh, offers the sacrifice of their day, of their life. Um, the diaconate focused on service, uh, the focus of the acolyte, and then the life of ritual and liturgy, uh, lector, and um, the reading of the Word of God, all of these are the, the deeper spiritual realities that Need to permeate our family life and our marriages and our workplaces and uh, I I don't know I think that's the more exciting job I think it, you know it's cool for us to receive these these installations and orders and but it's at the service of the really exciting work which is how are you going to do this when you're at NPR you know yeah that yeah. that's that's exciting and how do you do this in your family and that's you... I, that's why we do this podcast that's why we talk to talk to you people uh, because. That you have the the, the adventure. Uh, it's not a. It's not really us. <laughs> we're, yeah. we're writing dissertations. It's not that exciting. Um, but to figure out how do you do this in the world and sanctify the world, that's the lay vocation, and that's that's the beautiful thing. So I like your I like your style on this. So. Yeah, thank you.
0: I think a lot of people look at priests and say like, why is it that I'm fascinated by that life, or what is it that they've done? You know, how did they get there? So part of this is just saying like, these are the particular. Um, invitation these are the particular virtues encouraged by the church that kind of make up the priest that uh, you 've come to know and relate to in your in your local parish and all the things that he 's striving for and are um, wisdom for the whole church um, and kind of how how to live that life in the world sehr good and yeah hopefully some advice for resolutions there you go more resolutions <laughs> kind of like
1: Right, right. Breathe deeply this year. All right, that was great. No, thank you.
0: No, okay. Oh, you're checking to see if I'm done. Yeah.
1: Well, I, I'm not sure. You haven't looked at your phone in a couple of minutes, since so...
0: no. And I haven't looked at my.
1: Well, you want to do some red, shout-outs? Red lettered sheet. Austin, come back here. You have a uh, you have a job to do. So, yeah, so can you please can you please read the name of the title of that oh, bottle yeah. you're we holding? We
2: can't pronounce you're this. The only people in the world. In the... <laughs> So they, they've shoved this bottle in my face, which they didn't even let me try, um, but Buna Havain, Buna Havain, because B-H is a V sound, Did you know? Buna Havain.
0: Buna, habain.
2: Buna habain. It's from, it's an Ely single malt scotch whiskey, 12 years old. Um, they've put this in, I, but uh, someone sent this to them. <laughs> I won't say it to me because I didn't get to have any of it, but... Uh,
0: uh, now, Father John's got the names.
2: Well, then why don't you read the names, John? I mean, this is,
1: uh... That was actually a really good, um, Bunahamain. Buna, Hamein.
2: Buna, Habein.
1: Buna Habein. That was a great, uh, so this is a bottle of scotch that we drank, which was actually amazing. Um, it's gone now. Sorry, Austin, you didn't get any of that. I'm kind of confused on the receipt here. It says it's from Stephanie Bielo, but then the message says, For your clarity and humor, the DeSalis family. So I think it's from the DeSalis family. Oh, yeah, right, right. There is kind of a I wonder if that's Miguel Desalis, my thesis director for my dissertation. Probably not well,
0: I thank you i I feel like the this this podcast might have been lacking in clarity <laughs>
1: not humor. no, but these people are from Scotland, and they sent uh, I think it's the Disalis family, but they sent. Uh, here, the bottle here. And then in, in Colorado, we got it, too. And we enjoyed it over Villa. That's so. great. Very generous. Thank I, you. Amazing. It's so thoughtful. We really appreciate this stuff. Um, great Christmas are, present. Are. And I
0: wanted to shout out um, Patrick J. Carter.
1: Patrick J. Carter. Famous Patrick J. The Carter. Famous Patrick J. Carter.
0: Who sent a bottle of tequila Espolon. Espolon. And uh, Espolon. it was marvelous as well. It was very celebratory. I've taken, okay, my own advice here. On the devotional thing. Oh, yeah. Whenever I drink tequila or corona, anything, well, tecate, what's it, other Mexican things? Pacifico. Um, I say, Viva Cristo Rey. <laughs>
1: oh, yeah, there you the, go. The uh,
0: Miguel Pro line, right? Very nice. One of their martyrs was killed saying, Viva Cristo Rey, long live Christ the King. And uh, so that's become my. Uh, well,
1: good. Thank you, Patrick J. Patrick line. J. Carter continues to. Yeah, give. thank you, Patrick. He's, a, he's definitely a gift giver for.
0: The, his the love, love language.
1: language yeah for sure he's very thoughtful one of my favorite things here at the Casa is when you're having dinner with the guys and they kind of like awkwardly bring up the fact that they had one of these encounters with their friend who's a fan of our podcast and they don't really know how to kind of say it and Father Nathan Ricci recently was like yeah so you guys got this like podcast right and we're like yeah yeah and he goes well there's somebody and uh, her name was Kelly Vale uh, who's getting married in April in Rhode Island. Oh, and I think Father Kelly. Father Nathan is great. He's one of our favorite guys here. And um, yeah, yeah. she, uh, I don't know if he's helping with their marriage prep, but Kelly's getting married. And uh, so anyways, I said, we're going to pray for her and uh, we're going to give her a shout out. And she, especially, I love her because she says, I like you guys more than Catholic Bites.
0: Oh, oh no. My, he Are we like still it. doing this?
1: We're still doing it. You know what? If we were that, if we were so awesome, we wouldn't even care, but... I love that comment. So, And then lastly, <laughs> yeah. we forgot to mention this morning we met somebody who listened to the podcast.
0: That's Samantha. What's, what's her name? Samantha. I, Samantha. I couldn't remember if it was Stephanie or Samantha. Samantha. Samantha.
1: Samantha from Virginia. Who's and, her at the, and her regazzo. And her regazzo. Unnamed very, regazzo. The unnamed regazzo. <laughs> that was very funny. <laughs> she says, where are you from, Virginia? She said, I'm studying uh, Judaic uh, studies at the Gregorian yep. here in Rome. And then she said, my regazzo is uh doing ancient hebrew yeah and we're like the unnamed ragazzo so we don't know who this is mystery man but uh, maybe someday
0: we'll meet them he room.
1: might be at the biblicum with you a decade from now while you're working on that dissertation so
2: that's right do
1: you have any shout outs you'd like to add okay go ahead
2: no no i just recalled um so when i was an early ordained priest in 2011 i went to world youth day with a group of um Girls from a high school, Mount DeSales Academy in Catonsville, Maryland, and one of the girls that I went to World Youth Day, she listens to the podcast. Veronica zickler
0: who hey, is Veronica. a,
2: um, she's an artist and she does renderings for like anatomy textbooks, like that's what she does. <laughs> yeah, isn't that incredible? Um, so she listens to the podcast. So uh, a shout out to Veronica. She also, I think, at one point emailed y'all asking you to have me on the podcast. All right. Which is only heated This now. is the
0: gift to you, Veronica. Thank you.
2: We did
1: it for draw- you, Veronica. Yeah. Now I
0: don't know what to request that you draw. Like a skeleton.
1: Maybe she can do some dancing installation. Dancing skeleton. I always like dancing, dancing skeletons. That's very Grateful Dead. Dancing skeletons. I,
0: well, I didn't know what was in my head. No, now right.
1: I know. I, yeah. But, well, that's good. That's it for shout-outs for me.
0: Uh, I think that's it.
1: I would just like to thank, again, uh, Matt Miller, speaking of knackers, and uh, just the enjoyable abruzzi lunch we had. It was a very quick shout-out on the last one, but this is now a month out. But uh, Rachel and Aaron, just great to be with them. Oh, yeah, that uh, was pleasant. Very easy uh, and very enjoyable. So thanks for – we love uh, love meeting people. They're great. He's going to teach us to brew beer. That's right, yeah.
0: And a shout-out to the Eusterman family. Who Amazing, are our favorites. Okay. Amazing. We just had dinner with them last. Matt
1: and Katie and the kids. We so they came to Lord's Day last night, and it was it was wild. It was just imagine like two introverts, a German, very German, and a Norwegian wife, and then like four crazy extroverted children. They get more progressively <laughs> extroverted as they get younger. I forgot how the f- crazy these kids. The can fourth, get. they two said, two years old, yeah,
0: and a couple of ice creams, and she is. <laughs> wired
1: the two-year-old was uh they said she got the three personalities of our older kids and just put it all together in one she annie wild one so yeah elizabeth cecilia samuel samuel patrick patrick dang it <laughs> and uh, annie it was close uh but we loved being with them last night so that's All right, it.
0: everybody. Have Cat- a great year. 2018 is your year.
1: It's already February, so you better get going. CatholicStuffPodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Great job, Father Mike. Father Austin, great yeah, to have you with to us. see you, Father Austin. We will see you in two weeks.